welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I'm back with another episode of the Empathic Mastery Show. And today, my guest is Kara Goodwin. Kara is host of the Meditation Conversation podcast. It's like a personal trainer for spiritual aspirants. She's passionate about helping those who wish to expand beyond the physical plane to tap into the wisdom and gifts within them. She helps others to grow into a truer understanding of who they are. While she derives great fulfillment from swimming in mystic waters, she equally values nurturing her earthly side through motherhood, animals, plants, and one of my favorite things, treatment-free beekeeping. Kara, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Oh, thank you, Jennifer. It's such a joy to be here. So, as you know, always love to start the conversation with the beginning, with what was it like for you as a kid, as a young woman? Like, at what point did you realize maybe that you were a little bit different than the average bear? (laughs) At what point did you sort of go, oh, I have these abilities, I have these gifts? You know, it's kind of funny. I. I feel like I had turned off that part of myself for a long time, not even realizing that I had, but looking back, you know, I lived a very mainstream life. I've I've always been curious about paranormal things, for example, like one of my favorite topics, if I were at a party or something and be like, have you ever seen a ghost? Like that was kind of my go-to, like, I'm going to have fun if, if I can find somebody who has a ghost story or something like that. But I had a very mainstream job. I was in IT working for corporate blue chip companies. You know, I'm I'm a mother with two children. Um and I just and went to public school, public university. So very much like your typical I'm from the Midwest, like Midwestern person and I feel like because I was in the IT world working for like big companies, I I was like molding myself and even like in university where it's like molding, learning how to be a grown up. Like I thought that I was in university learning what you care about when you're a grown up, how to be an adult. Um, okay, we work like work is our primary focus, earning a living is our primary focus. We will have a fulfilling life if we have a good stable, solid job with a good, stable, solid income. Um, that was kind of what the world around me was telling me was going to, how that was going to pave the way for a successful life. I had seen people doing that and, and they seemed happy enough. That was kind of what I thought the option was. Of course, you have different career options. You know, you don't have to go into IT. I could have gone into medicine or something. I explored different different things that I might want to do. Um, but really, that was kind of my, I was just a regular, regular person. And 
I was very drawn to books that were talking about strange things like children remembering their past lives or, you know, angel stories or like the, um, there's the, uh, his mysterious ways, like the reader's digest. Do you, do you know those? Like, there's like a, these little magazines that you can get called his mysterious ways. I've never encountered them before. So that sounds cool. Any, I think it was reader's digest. Is it reader's? No, Uh it's a guidepost. There's a little Uh magazine Uh called guidepost. My mom would always subscribed. She's subscribed forever. And they had this just little section called His Mysterious Ways. And then they ultimately turned that into its own bi-monthly magazine a few years ago, or maybe like a decade ago now. But those, and they're all these like miracle stories, you know, these, these things that defy logic. And I love, so anything like that, I've always loved and been drawn to. But that was pretty much where it stopped. Like mm. I didn't really, I, I would go sometimes to psychics. Like I was, I was curious about that um, and open-minded about it, but I didn't really, uh, I definitely didn't meditate. I had tried meditation, you know, as, as when I had little kids, I, I kept hearing about meditation. It seemed like this really powerful thing. And so I tried it, but I was really, really busy with a uh, fast career, fast moving career and two little kids and pets and so forth. And I didn't really feel like anything. I was doing it right. I was like, I'm not very good at this. I just sit there and think. So I didn't really go very far with it. And so I was always like interested and wanted to scratch that kind of spiritual itch. But I really didn't think that that was a building block of life for a person like me. You know, I wasn't going to be a monk or a nun or, you know, and so I guess my turning point when I did start to blossom, I suppose, and allow that part of myself to grow because I would take, I would take like, I remember one of my friends sending me something, something like the Enneagram. I don't think it quite was the Enneagram. And she had gotten like all these results about fashion and um, pop culture. And that was like what made her really happy. And mine was all about spirit and, Mm. and things like that. And, and I was like, Oh, that's interesting that it would, you know, because it didn't really reflect my, my lifestyle by any means. So anyway, things really came like that time finished, went through a really difficult six month period. I think it was about six months, um, several years ago where my sister-in-law passed away. And shortly after that, like just a couple of weeks after that, my dog passed away. And shortly after that, my stepdad had a surgery on his brainstem um, and had, you know, had been having some deteriorating health issues. A few weeks after that, my mother-in-law was hit by a motorbike as she crossed the street. And then my stepmom entered into the ICU for heart failure and had a heart transplant as soon, you know, went to the top of the heart transplant list and was lucky enough to get one in time. So that was a lot, a lot, a lot. And it was like, looking back, it was like a wake up call. I Mm -hmm. didn't see it that way at the time. Um, but looking back, it was like, wow, that's a lot for people I'm very close to. Like my sister-in-law and I were, she was one of my closest friends. I loved her very, very dearly. And that was a huge shock. And then all these people, their parents, you know, these are 
my parents that are all going through this. So, and we were living abroad at the time. So also like, couldn't be there really with, you know, did our best to, but again, young kids trying to get away abroad. And so it wasn't like I could just rush over to somebody's aid and, you know, make dinner for them or whatever. It was just like, keep me posted and I'll get there as soon as I can. Then mm. you kind of adds to the grief of what you're yes. going through when you're removed from it. Yes. So that was really sort of, I mean, I remember being in the thick of that and walking my kids. I was, I walked my kids to school and was walking home and I just sort of, I call it like throwing out a Hail Mary, but not like the Catholic Hail Mary, but the, you know, the, the sports analogy. The sports analogy. Yeah. The Hail yeah, Mary that, pass. Yes. 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 Yeah. Uh, from one end zone to the other where I was like, well, I don't really think that this is going to work, but I don't really know what else to do. So I'm having this conversation with quote unquote God in my head that I really wasn't sure was ever going to be delivered to him. You know, because even though I was going through such a hard time, I really didn't. I mean, I felt like on the grand scheme of things, this is like really no big deal from things that other people are going through on this planet. So it was sort of like a, you know, she's fine. (laughs) She doesn't need divine intervention. She'll get through this. But I was kind of like, I really feel like I'm at a turning point. I need help. I need, I want to learn meditation to help me through this. But I, I was living in Italy and I had actually tried, there was somebody in one of my language classes who was a meditator and he had invited me to a couple of free, like learn to meditate things, but they were in Italian and mm. I, I spoke Italian ish. I mean, I worked really, really hard to speak it only ish in all the years I was there, but <laughs> trying to learn something that was trying to transcend the mind and transcend language while it not being in the language of my heart was very hard for me because mm-hmm. I was constantly second guessing my interpretation of what they were saying. And I was, and I didn't know what I was doing anyway. So it was kind of like, you know, I'm missing some of the, some of the things that they're throwing out. I didn't quite get. So anyway, that was one of the things in this conversation in my head with God that I was having where I was like, I really feel like I want to learn meditation. I, I need it in English. If this matters, send me a solution, a teacher in English, let it be, you know, the right, the right thing to, to help me to stick with this and so forth. And, um, didn't recognize until later in hindsight, how things started to fall into place from that. And when I began meditation, it was a very secular approach. I really wasn't, again, like didn't feel this connection with the divine. I was curious about it and I believed in it, but I didn't feel connected to it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There was a worthiness factor to it. You know, so I think a lot of your listeners probably feel like they have been special their whole lives. I didn't really feel that way in like a, you know, psychic ability perspective or a connection to God perspective. I really felt like, again, you know, my problems are, I'm fine. <laughs> Don't worry about right, me. Right. right. Um, so anyway, that was, uh, that was the gateway to learning meditation, but I took a very secular approach to begin with. I yeah. did learn from monks through a 
yogic kind of Paramahansa Yogananda, his uh, not SRF, but a different um, organization that was teaching his methods. And so they were all about praying and talking to God and asking for things from God. But I really, it was more of an individual, like, okay, how can I work with my energy? How can I understand what my energy is and tap into it and, you know, have physiological responses based on techniques, but it wasn't like, I kind of initially rejected any sort of like, you know, the importance of prayer or any of that, but that slowly became a huge part of my practice. And now that's the whole point of it. You know, for me, it's like just strengthen this connection with the divine, with my divine team, um, use me as an instrument. I mean, that's like the number one prayer that I have is just come in and use this vessel. So it's, it's really funny. Like it's just, I think from like a spiritual maturation, I was probably like way behind a lot of people who are listening. <laughs> it was like a, a lot later development. I mean, I think one of the things I've noticed for people is, well, I think number one, I think there are a number of people who I've run into who don't necessarily identify as special as much as they identify as broken. That's a great point. Being, yeah. Because of being so sensitive and Unlike people with psychic abilities or intuitive abilities who are just like, who know that information is coming from the outside, a lot of times empaths are told from the time they're very little that they're overreacting, that they're like, they're responding to something that's not real. And so what I've noticed is that there's a lot more, often there's a lot more self-doubt and a lot more like, why am I so moody? Why am I so emotional? Why am I having such a hard time? And so I'm not sure that everybody listening to this is necessarily like, oh no, I didn't, you know, like, like not everybody starts a lot of times it takes like being able to go, wait a second, I'm picking up these things that are going on in the world around me and I'm not crazy. I'm not broken. I'm not too sensitive. So I think that, and I will also say that I've met a number of people. It seems to me that there are those of us who are born this way and who are sensitive from the get-go there are many of us, though, who have some kind of substantial life-changing experience, which that I sort of think of it as like, you called it a wake-up call. I think of it as like it cracks us open. Mm. And those experiences where a lot of death, a lot of illness, a lot of just, you know, experiences that break us open past the ordinary, that seems to be one of the other times where people awaken. And I've known many people who, you know, don't, didn't come into their full awareness of what they were or who they were until they were in their adulthood. So you're, yeah. you're completely in the right place here. I want to go back though, because I want to talk about meditation and, you know, because that's your thing, you know, mm -hmm. meditation is your specialty and, and is the thing But I want to talk about, you know, so many people like people are all, I should meditate. I should be able to do this. And it doesn't work. I want to talk about your experience of what wasn't working with it. Like way back, like let's go into the yeah. way back machine. You got littles and you're trying and it's just not cutting it. Let's talk about like what wasn't working. How, yes. Yeah. Yeah. What a great question. And such a great point too. Thank you for that, that offering that because that is so true. Yeah. And, um, and I resonate with that very much. 
I love that crack being cracked open. As for the meditation piece, so that was something that I kept hearing. So I told you about all the books that I, you know, yeah. I was drawn yeah. to. And so often they would talk about meditation and how that was a key factor for their development of their skills or for the people who were responding to, you know, who were powerful prayers and, you know, so forth. But it was just kind of like, okay, so I guess you just sit here and then you don't think. You just have to give yourself the space to, and time to not think. Like that's kind of ha- what I kept running across. It's basically just sitting there not thinking. You just uh-huh. have to give yourself time for it, you know. And I was like, okay, I can do that. So I would carve out a little bit of time when the kids were asleep and go up to my room. And I sat on the floor because I had seen that that you were supposed mm. to sit on the floor. That's how you did it. <laughs> and, yep, yep. And I sat on the floor and I just kept thinking. And then I was getting frustrated with myself because I knew that that's not what I was supposed to do. And then I kind of was waiting for some sort of, and you know, it might, I might send some prayers out or something, but I was waiting to feel different. Like how at some point this should feel different than when I'm sitting in front of the TV or I'm sitting at my computer thinking, or I'm sitting at my desk thinking, or I'm eating lunch and I'm thinking, you know, and I was waiting, like, how is this different from other times when I sit and think? And it wasn't, I wasn't, I was just like, the only difference is I'm sitting on the floor and I don't normally do that. <laughs> so, oh. so that was kind of the, the main thing for me. And, um, and so I would kind of get disenchanted with it because I wasn't good at it. So, and then I'd get inspired again by something else that I would read or somebody would say, and I'd be like, Oh, I can do that. I, you know, oh yeah, you're just supposed to not think. And I kept thinking. So that's the difference. This time I'm not going to think. And yeah, I just didn't get anywhere with that. So the difference for me was really getting a method. So having a teacher who had a method and and different methods, because Mm -hmm. I did find for me personally, I kind of stuck with one sort of lineage, one method for a couple, two or three years. I think, I think kind of two years. And it really, it was a totally valid method and I got so much from it. And then it dried out because it was the same. It became dogmatic. It was like, Mm -hmm. if you want to meditate, it has to be this way. And so it was, it, it just, there was this dogma with it. I didn't get, I wasn't really getting any juice from it anymore. And I was being told this is the quickest path. This is the only way. Mm. Every everything else is a distraction. Don't come off your path. Don't get distracted by the shiny objects or the new leader or whatever. And there was a lot of fear about yes, trying something different. And yes. um so I kind of stayed there. I, I sort of overstayed, you know, my time there, but I it was an important lesson for me and again it was it was only a couple of years, but I could tell way before I finally yeah. stopped yeah. participating that I wasn't getting anything as much from it anymore. It was a wonderful launching for me though, but there are so many different methods out there and it has been important for me personally, just to keep exploring, keep trying different things and keep, you know, tapping into new things. Sometimes things don't work for me and Sometimes I'm, you know, like, wow, 
where's that been for all these years, you know? Right, right. right. Well, you know, something, there's so many things you're saying that are just like making me think of things, but one of you were, when you were talking about being part of the organization where there's that kind of idea of we have the market on this, like we're the ones who know this thing. And I've absolutely noticed that in, you know, in my travels in the spiritual world and actually in, in like many different modalities where you get, you run into these people who are like, we have the market on this. We are the authorities. We're the only ones who are doing it the right and true way. And for me, that is actually, to me, is like a real red flag in a system because the idea that any of us could have the market on spiritual awareness, that any of us have the one way to do it, for one thing, it just, it's it, the idea that there's only one way to do it does not acknowledge the diversity of the human mind. And something you were talking about made me think about, I've been doing a training a hypnosis training based on Dolores Cannon's work. Um, oh, um, I love Dolores healing. Cannon. Oh, of Dolores course you Yes. I've- yeah. Dolores was talking about um, left brain people being some of the hardest people to bring into, um, you know, a somnambulistic state because left brain people who are the thinkers and the analyzers will often be in that kind of analytic thing. So it's interesting that you're an IT person. And so I'm imagining like, just, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to sit on the floor. Yeah, (laughs) That left brain is still just going and going and going. And, um, you know, the other thing I was just thinking about was just how we make these assumptions about what it is supposed to look like. And so often those assumptions are, so limiting because they're not like I know for myself that I have never been able to consistently meditate in that kind of like bro dude man bun kind of way that's like (laughs) that's that's like I will sit for 30 minutes you know every single day on my cushion and think of nothing Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, that never worked for me. It was just uh, my, my monkey mind would just engage. I would just, and I found that I had to give myself permission to find a better way to do it. So it sounds like you had a similar experience of like, you assumed that it was sitting on the floor. You assumed that it was like, not thinking you assumed like that this is what it was. And it wasn't until you ran into, um, some real techniques that you were able to start finding your way in. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, and I, I am a sit on a cushion meditator type of person, but my, my, you know, what I do in that time changes, I, I run across like, you know, Wim Hof, I just discovered him like a year and a half ago, maybe. And I love doing his breath work. That was never part of my my meditation, but now I find it really, uh, really helps me to begin my meditation in that way. But it's also the recognition that you can enter a meditative state without actually doing meditation. And so, and for some people that is necessary. So there are people who just either they're not yet to the place where they can sit and be comfortable just sitting there And then there are other people who just, that's not their jam. Like they're just, they're not built that way. But 
they may feel it through creativity. Like that's one of the, the, the things that amazes me so much is artists. So whether it's musicians or people who do the fine arts or dancers, but I have chills right now, just because, because that's not really my, I'm not talented in, in any of those ways in the creative arts, but recognizing what is flowing through when you are in that state blows me away where it's mm-hmm. like that you are able, people are able to access some really fascinating parts of their consciousness through the act of creation. Yes. And so, and that's not sitting, it's not a seated meditation, but no. it's completely valid. Like you're opening yourself up to the flow of grace of the flow of divinity, and you're allowing the divine to move through you and gardening can be a similar thing. Even like, um, you know, swimmers who swim long distances, runners who run long distances, when you're able to get yourself into that zone, there is very valid, uh, there are very valid states of consciousness that happen through that. So it's, yeah, it's, it's broadening our definition of like, well, what is meditation? What is meditation? Well, mm-hmm. and something, you know, you were talking about it not being some people's jam. I actually, a while ago, ran across some content, I think maybe on TikTok, you know, where all the interesting context tends t- t- to be. Uh-huh. But um, I ran into some people who were talking about actually where meditation in the classic kind of like what I call cool meditation, that sort of like very Zen, you know, Vipassana sitting on the cushion and just, you know, and, and just letting all thoughts go away that it can actually be, um, contraindicated for trauma survivors. And especially for people who have not been able to, who are still in vulnerable to PTSD and who are really still really in that kind of hot space where trauma is still deeply impacting them, meditation can dysregulate people who are already dysregulated more. And Mm. so interestingly, it doesn't work for everybody. And, you know, there are people who are like, oh no, just sit on the cushion and whatever comes up, you can handle it. But my understanding is that that's not always the case. And that if we can allow for what we're seeking is that numinous experience and that that alpha state or you know sometimes even the theta state but we're seeking that shift in our brain waves not just that i'm sitting on a cushion and not thinking and i love how you're talking about like there are so many different ways to look at this so many different ways to approach this right and it really is like from that perspective like what is your end goal because you know, the cool meditation, as you, as you say, you know, some of that could be just for show the same way. It's like, oh, I'm going to go sit in a pew on Sunday for an hour and that's going to get me into heaven. Right. You know, where it's like, well, is that it? Like you just have to show up and and that you don't have to do anything the, the rest of the time, <laughs> you know? Right. Is that like, you can be a horrible person when you're not in the pew, but as long as you get there every week, it's the same kind of thing with a meditation cushion. It's like, are you just sitting there or are you, are you, you know, working on yourself in, in a certain way? And it's interesting what you say about the trauma response and, and, um, being in meditation and 
There are a couple of ways to think about that because the same thing is said about psychedelics. I had a psychedelic mm-hmm. expert on my podcast re- recently, hasn't been released yet, but we, I was like, is, is there anybody who shouldn't take psychedelics? Because it was a very like pro conversation and I'm, you know, that that's completely fine. Like I, I think there's great, great benefit and value to psychedelics, but it's like, are we like being irresponsible here if we don't talk about like, maybe it's not for everybody. Right. And one of the things that he was talking about, which I think also applies to meditation and any sort of work that we're doing to clear out trauma or to um, process trauma, reconcile traumatic experiences that we've had is that with psychedelics, let's say you don't, it's not always like this beautiful you know, mountaintop, like I'm touching God type (laughs) of thing. Pretty unpleasant. Right. Shadows are, are known to come up and, and, and to scare people and, and you know, you don't want to see this and it's time to face it. Yeah. And the same can be said for meditation. The same can be said for certain breathwork techniques. Yeah. And so it's, I was just talking with somebody actually today because I was leading a meditation. It was brand new meditator. And she was like, when I get to the bottom of this breath and I hold my breath out, I feel anxious. And then once I start, so we were kind of talking through that. She's like, once I start doing the inhale again, then I feel better. But then we get to the bottom and I hold and I feel anxious. And I'm like, well, how did you feel when we were done with the breath work? Were you okay? And I was saying to her, I'm like, you, you can manage this in the way that's most comfortable for you. So if you know that this, uh, that you're holding the breath too long, it doesn't make you feel like it makes you feel anxious. And, and it's, that's what you're trying not to feel in meditation, then change the count. You know, you can, you can go faster than what I'm going and equally when we push ourselves, when we hit an uncomfortable spot and we move through it, we benefit. And there are benefits that we cannot do if we don't move through certain portals, certain gateways, certain challenges that come up that are like, okay, let's be curious about this. I feel what I'm feeling. I recognize what I'm feeling. I don't love what I'm feeling, but I'm with it. I'm here with it and I'm doing it. I can do it. And so what we gain through being in these these uncomfortable situations and then working through it. So I mentioned like the Wim Hof breath technique that I started doing, I don't know, a year and a half ago, something like that. When I first started that, I got anxious and I am not a very anxious person, but I could feel like as I was approaching the end of a round, I was like, oh my God, I don't know if I even want to keep going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was something that I had like the first few times I did it, I kept coming up against this where I was like, oh, here it comes again. I don't like when I get to this point. I eventual and all kinds of stuff were happening in my body. I was having like um different quivers, like isolated, not even like mus, not even whole muscles, but like isolated parts of muscles were like vibrating yep. and, and, and quivering. And I was like, well, that's weird. But I I assessed it. My rational mind was like, okay, something is stored there and is being mm-hmm. released. This is helping to release yep. it. But random places like on my thigh, you know, like not mm-hmm. something I could even not a a section of my thigh. I could move if I wanted to on its own, but now, you know, I do this breath work every day, sometimes more than once a day. 
and it, I feel great doing it. And I have come through the other side of what was, what felt like a wall. You know, it yes. felt like I have to stop. I don't like this. I can't do it. And I did do it. And I came out the other side and now I, you know, I, I've kind of broken down whatever that barrier was. So I don't feel that there's a right answer that's like, oh yeah, if you're, if you've experienced trauma, stay away from meditation because yeah, no. that is not going to be the right thing. And if you have experienced trauma and you do feel drawn to meditation and you start to feel your trauma response kicking in, stop immediately. You know, I'm like, maybe that's the right thing for somebody depending on where they are in their journey and what kind of support they have outside of meditation and so forth. What but, kind of support they have. Right. Right. That's a huge, and I'm thinking so much of it is about knowing where we are at any given point and knowing what kinds of resiliency, what kinds of resources, what kinds, like if somebody is in, in terms of hierarchy of need, if like they are in a place where they are extremely dysregulated, they get easily, easily triggered. They have no support system and don't have any tools for coping then, you know, deciding to go on, like taking a bunch of hallucinogens may send them off into the deep end right. and that they can't get back from. And I think that that's the thing is like, there's just no such thing as a one size fits all, you know, and so mm -hmm. much of it is about like, do I have the resources to handle this? Do I have the tools? But like you said, even the thing of like, I think about, I've done a lot of breath work as well. It is one of my favorite modal, a, a favorite modality of mine that I studied in. And I know exactly what you're talking about, where you start to hit that point on the bottom of the, uh, of the hold of the exhale or uh, the bottom of the hold of either the exhale or the inhale, where suddenly there's just that feeling of like, you start feeling the need for air mm -hmm. and that panicky feeling. It's such an interesting place to be like, can I push it a little bit further? But also that knowing like, when is you, when have you maxed out? When have you hit that place where it's like, no, I cannot push this any further. And mm -hmm. um, I know for myself that my capacity for breath has expanded substantially over many, many years by pushing up against that little bit of an edge and pushing up against a little bit of the edge and stretching and growing. So, yeah. Yeah. And isn't that an amazing metaphor for life as yes. well? I mean, it is like when we can't, when we feel like we can't go any further or, you know, I wouldn't choose this. I wouldn't consciously choose this scenario for myself or my worst enemy. And we get through it and how that stretching of ourselves expands us and how much we benefit. And it can be really hard to remember that when we're going through it. Well, look at where you are. I mean, your entire, you're here because you stretched and went through. Mm -hmm. You're here because of all of these tragedies and deaths in your family and the loss of your dog, which I know having lost many dogs dear dogs in some ways it's in my personal experience losing a dog is is just its own very very unique special thing because if they are your constant companion it's like your mm. entire life gets turned upside down when the dog goes in a way that a family member you may care love them deeply but if you're not living with them 
your day-to-day experience is not nearly as dysregulated or upset as right. when you lose a dog. Yeah. The vacuum that they create when they're gone is like so much bigger than their bodies. So much (laughs) bigger than their bodies. It is intense. Yeah. 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 And so even with, you know, just what you were saying, like you stretched, you grew. And now here we are on the other side of what I am sure was an incredibly uncomfortable period in your life. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. And it keeps coming, you know, you kind of like, get through one of those periods and and I'm in another one in a di- in a slightly different way, you know, with my daughter's health right now. So where it's it's like, you know, how quickly can we get through this? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just knowing that we have a long road ahead of us and uh, and a complicated one and so it's and and I and it's try- so that's kind of the perspective that I have right now where I'm like I know that there's medicine in what we're going through. For both of us, for all of us, but specific, especially for her, especially for me. And it's trying to keep that perspective, like having that gift of hindsight of like future hindsight. (laughs) But when you're going through it, it's still like, you know, oh my gosh, this is life. You know, this is life and it's, and it can be really hard. And, you know, so keeping that perspective of just like, there is medicine in this, there is growth. This is, you know, when we've got huge things, it's a lot of times like, Hey, this is what we've been training for. You know, this is what I've said this many times where I'm like, I feel like I've been training for what we've been going through and what is going to be continuing to, you know, this is, we've got a years, we've got years ahead of us of this. So Mm. Mm. Well, and I've heard something, you know, one of, I'm going to probably butcher the pair this paraphrase pretty badly, but it's sort of like, we don't become, you know, it's like spirituality prepares us for allows us. It's not about calling in the good things all the time, as much as it's also about preparing us to navigate the challenges in life with grace, that yeah. that's so much about why we do this work. It's not just so that we can have like this perfectly blissed out life. It's also so that when it's not perfectly blissed out, we have tools and resources that we can fall back on so that we don't just completely lose it. And, you know, I'm thinking about how for me, meditation and the sort of the state of mind that this, that whatever you want to, whatever the practices, whether it's uh, prayer, breath work, meditation, But that for me, it's about, it comes down to this path of holding space and this capacity to learn how to be in a place of allowing and accepting as opposed to bypassing or denying or resisting. And in a way, like even that old sort of idea of I'm just going to sit and not think, in some ways, it feels to me like meditation is much richer than just not sitting and not thinking. Meditation is really about for me, it's about holding space mm-hmm. and about that capacity to hold space and be present with whatever is, not necessarily. And that if that means that you're sitting with grief for a half hour, you're sitting with grief for a half hour. And yeah, I love that. I and I I agree. You know, it's it is so much of it. I haven't really thought about it that way. So I really appreciate that. I think it is that um that holding space and 
for me, you know, again, people come to meditation for all different kinds of things and they use meditation for so many different things. So for me, it's a very much a spiritual practice and it's very much about strengthening that connection to my own spirit, my own, you know, higher self, higher consciousness to source, to my divine team. And, but doing that every day to remember who I am beyond the body and beyond the personality, beyond my thoughts, having time every day that I devote to that remembrance, because it can be hard in modern living to remember that all day long. Even if I've done it at the very beginning of the day, I may get an hour out of my meditation and I, I'm just thinking about humaning. Like I've Mm got to go to the grocery store. I've got to take my daughter to here, my son to there. And I don't have enough time today for the, the many things that I need to do. And it's just very human and it's very like task oriented or, you know, physical reality stuff. And so having that time that's dedicated to say like, okay, I, you know, I am more than, than that. And I have this divine connection and asking for it to be strengthened, like, you know, pour this high frequency light into me and strengthen this connection, strengthen my remembrance. And that to me is really an important aspect of my life to help me to, to be able to have the frame of reference for my life in the good times and the bad. I mean, it's so, so helpful to have that in the bad times, but yes. it's not the, uh, is it like in the nineties, there was arrested development, you know, as a, a music group. And, you know, it's like, I know you're supposed to be my steering wheel, not just my spare tire, you know, but it is this like, okay, even when the good times are happening, like steer me, move through me, be, you know, connect with me. and then when these hard times come and i don't maybe feel i don't maybe have the as much time and energy to keep that there i've got the reserves you know and i've got the habit and and so forth to kind of carry me in the lower points yeah you've got it in the vault you know that yeah. you're banking on this i was also thinking meditation and flossing your teeth it's sort of yeah. like you know, in order for it to really, for you to get the benefits, it kind of has to be just the willingness to be willing to show up every single day and get there and to find what works for you, what mm-hmm. works for me. I learned a long time ago that while there are times where that quiet's still just allowing my mind to just kind of completely drop out and let go works for me, like I can get there that what I noticed, as you were saying, like using breath work to help me to get into a meditative state, I as an EFT practitioner, I will use tapping and Mm -hmm. work with that as like an induction into meditation that allows me to go into that place and sort of clear away the cobwebs of my mind and drop into my heart. And what I've but what I've really and sometimes, for example, like, there are times where if my eyes are closed, I'm going to be more distracted. And so I need to be, my eyes need to be open or like I'm listening to a guided meditation or something that somebody else did. Honestly, there are times where I will have a better experience and I will go deeper if I'm standing in front of the sink, washing dishes 
and keeping my hands busy than if I'm trying to lie on, you know, I'm lying on the couch or sitting up in a chair with my eyes closed and trying to follow the directions. Mm -hmm. And I think that capacity to recognize what do we as individuals need every single day, because even as individuals or as people, what I might need for meditation one day may be a completely different thing the next. Yeah. So well said. Yeah. And it really does come down to honoring, you know, what, what it is that we need at the time or what we need personally. And I love that you're so in touch with your different modalities and the different ways that, that things work with you. And it shows that flexibility and that openness to like, you know, I'm, I'm going to try it this way. I'm going to try it while I'm washing my dishes or, or whatever it is. Um, even though it's telling me that I have to lie down and close my eyes or right. If you're well, and like with the system that you originally came into where they've got all this dogma and all of these rules and like, this is the only way you can do it. And it's kind Mm -hmm. of like, but that's not really working for me. Yeah. You know, we, it, Amazing. We've got a little bit more time, but before I I give you the heads up, we're nearly done, uh, Weston. I actually do have a question for you, which is if somebody was like, I know that I could benefit from this, where do I even begin? Mm. What advice would you give to somebody who is considering picking up a spiritual practice, a meditative practice? Like, where do we start? What do you, what would you suggest? That's a great question. And you just mentioned guided meditations. And I think yeah. that is such low hanging fruit. You know, yeah. when I was trying and not getting very far with my meditations, apps weren't a thing. You right. know, um, I remember, I, I think I maybe had a Blackberry back then. And I was, I remember somebody making fun of me because I was like, um, aren't there like applications you can put on this? And they were like, yeah, they're called apps. And I'm like, apps? Like appetizers? Anyway, so this was a, a long time ago. It was a uh, while ago. Yeah, I mean, yes. Blackberry onto itself is, is dating you a bit. Right, and also totally. And like, yep, we can tell you were in IT. You had a Blackberry. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> yeah. yes. But we didn't have like the meditation apps. I'm yeah. sure I could have gotten like a, a CD or something, but I right. didn't even think about doing that. But listening to somebody who is telling you, like who's suggesting to you, like, okay, do this with your breath, do this with, you know, your posture. Here's a visualization that, you know, and you're just following along. You're kind of like, you can get in somebody else's current and and let them sort of carry you. Um, Now, the tricky-ish thing is that you want to have a trusted resource that is doing that because unfortunately there can be some nefarious things out there. So just you, I don't really even know how to suggest doing your homework on that, but, you know, start with maybe some just short things that are are benign and not very complicated, but it can really, really help to just take a lot of the guesswork out because if you're brand new to it and it's like, you might go online and be like, okay, here's a a five-step meditation that I can do. If you don't have experience with it yet, and you're just going off of your memory, then it becomes like a checklist, like a task list of, okay, now I did the breath work. Now I did the relaxation part. I did, you know, and, and it can, you know, it's a, it's a, a step forward, but it may not be like really fruitful. Um, so step one, if you're really wanting to dive into it, I would say find a, um, 
a good guided meditation. You know, there's like insight timer. I'm on insight timer. Um, I was thinking I have a about few. insight timer. I've got a few meditations on there as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can go, there are so many different people leading different meditations out there. There's a uh, headspace. I mean, the, you know, there are a yeah. lot of different guided meditation yes. meditations out there. So I think that that's definitely a, a good way to the try. The Calm app is another kind of right. option. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I have a, I have a learn to meditate course, like an online course. It's called meditation immersion. So if you really do want to have like, you know, a step-by-step, like, what is it that we're doing? Why are we doing that? Why do we do this with the breath? What are some different things that we can do? Like if you want to build out um, and really have a good understanding, that's a a really valuable course. It's on my website, which is karagoodwin.com. So that's another option. Awesome. Awesome. So at this point, we really have hit that mark. Yes. <laughs> um, which is the, oh my goodness, Kara, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. <laughs> and so I always like to ask the question, is there anything else that you would kick yourself if you did not share? Is there anything else that feels really important to be sure that you say? I think the only thing is to revisit something that we talked about, which was the the dogmatic part yes. to spirituality, to um, different meditation things. If you are following somebody who is telling you, A, don't listen to anybody else, don't follow anybody else's teachings, this is the only way, stop talking to your family, they're only going to confuse you. These are big red flags. and Big red can- flags. And it can creep up. So no judgment if you have found yourself because it doesn't start out that way. Usually Mm -hmm. it's not like you, you know, day one, they start telling you that it's kind of like once they've hooked you in and you start feeling great and you're like, oh my God, I've never felt so great. And these people are so loving and welcoming and I feel so at home here. And now they're telling me to stop calling my mom. But anyway. There are, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who can teach things that seem very advanced, that seem very true. They're using cosmic truth. They're using universal truth. That's the confusing thing is that you might hear them. You might hear them teaching things you've heard other places, but be aware, keep your options open, keep yourself liberated and free um, to listen to different lectures, listen to different discord and try different techniques and keep things, keep that flame lit within you. And don't allow your practice to become dogmatic out of fear, because you think that if you don't do it this way, even though this is no longer getting you any results, but it's what the master says, it's what people tell me is going to be my quickest route to experiencing God, throw all of that out the window. and. It, it's just, that is not, it's not accurate and it's no, damaging. It is damaging. And, you know, something that I found can be helpful sometimes is just even, I mean, thankfully because of the internet, we really can do our research in a way that we couldn't before. And one thing I've noticed is that sometimes if you want to find out what the dirt is on somebody, write their name and then write controversy. <laughs> after their name and do a Google search for it. And you can find some really interesting stuff. But also like if you just start going down the rabbit hole with a lot of people and like even just, you know, go back 
like go back to go to somebody's YouTube channel and, you know, like go back and go look at their selection of videos and go to the very earliest videos, look at things that they were doing beforehand. Another thing is the Wayback Machine, archive.org. You can look at websites and you can see, like, for example, you can check and see if this person is claiming to have 30 years of experience, then look up their website, see how long the website has been around. Like, Find out, you know, and then you discover they were a plumber, like, you know, two years ago or something like you can, it's just, there are so many ways that we can start finding out, like, is this person consistent, persistent? Are they putting their money where their mouth is? Are they saying like, have they been speaking the same truth over and over again? The other thing for me, that's kind of a red flag or something I always look for is I like to look for when in the about me sections on somebody's website. Do they list their credentials? Do they just say that they can help you with something or do they actually tell you where they were trained? Because Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people who, in that sort of more nefarious way, they know how to market and they know how to communicate to like what you, what appeals to the need of the person, but they have no credentials. They have no qualifications. They have no actual training. And so it's always interesting to me, just even looking at the bio do you have any idea who that person is or are they simply speaking to you about what you need? So, so many, I mean, just this is a whole other conversation about just that journey of how do we find practitioners that are, and teachers and guides who are legit. Right, right. Who are sound. And yeah, yeah. those are great, great advice too. And, and I, you know, I think I, I strayed a little bit because really it's, it's a, it's about to just that freedom to explore and to keep connecting with yourself. And that may change over time and allow that, you know, exactly. allow it to be right now. I'm really in a breathwork place. And a year ago, maybe you were really in a Reiki place or something, you know, and it's, that's okay. It's, it's okay to keep expanding and finding new things and bringing it into your field, into your knowledge. and you know, that's, that's evolution. It is. And adapting that ability and that capacity. I mean, in some ways it's like meditation and being connected to the divine is ultimately from my perspective is always about the ability to adapt because spirit is never fixed. And so, you know, it makes complete sense that we're going to constantly be evolving and transforming. One day we're attracted to Reiki. One day we're attracted to breath work. One day we're attracted to chakra work. One day we're attracted to something we don't even know about yet. Mm-hmm. And that, that permission to keep on following that spark, to following what feels good. And teachers, one, you know, a teacher can be absolutely perfect for us at one point in our life, and then we outgrow them or they grow in a different direction. And it's time to find a different teacher that that's okay too. There's, yes. yeah, and it's really okay. Yeah. yeah. I love to see people kind of graduating out of, you know, something where it's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, go and, and try the next thing, you know? Well, I'm constantly being guided to like, okay, you've done this, you've integrated this, you've learned this piece. Now we're going to go do this thing. We're going to add this piece. Like, yeah, for me, it's just this constant evolution. Yeah. So Kara, before we wrap up, yes, you know, there's a couple things I love to do. And one of them is I love, I love to think of podcasts as like sort of outside of time. 
They exist in perpetuity, and this episode is going to be listened to for many, many years, way past this May 2023 that we're recording it. And also, but I also believe it has a way that there is a way that that broadcast can reach back in time. And so, what I always love to do is sort of complete this, this the, our episode with a message from you now to a former part of yourself who needs to hear something that we're broadcasting backwards. So, my two questions to you are one, when and who are you talking to? Like, when are you going back to? And what does she need to hear? What are you going to tell her? Yeah, that's, it's so thought provoking. So I feel like, um, it would be kind of my early twenties, which is over 20 years ago now. And I don't even really remember a lot about that time. I was so different then, you know, kind of fresh out of college, starting the work life. But again, that's that time when you're figuring out who you are. And I feel like there was this part of me that was trying to set up something permanent, you know, that it was like, this is who I am from now on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it definitely didn't work out that way, but I really Mm -hmm. thought that that's what I was doing. And, um, so I think I would just say to just enjoy that time, enjoy that time and allow the change to come with faith, you know, just trusting that it is, you know, that I will be held. And, um, and, you know, a lot of like what we've talked about the evolution, the evolution will come, it will happen and it will be more than you could ever dream. Awesome. Ah, so we are at the top of the hour. Kara, this conversation has just been so rich and delicious. And um, just really such a, I, it just feels like such an invitation to either, you know, however, whether it's to put on your sneakers and go outside for a meditative walk or to plant your butt on the cushion. This has just been such a lovely, it feels like it's just such an invitation to, to find our way back to our connection to source. So how do people, I know you mentioned it before, but I'd love to share that again. How do people get in touch with you? Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on, Jennifer. This has been a wonderful connection. I've had such a, a great time talking to you. My website. Right back at you. Oh, thank yep. you. My website is karagoodwin.com. It's Kara with a K is how mm-hmm. I spell that. And um, I have right there on the homepage, you can sign up for a free uh, 10-minute guided meditation. So if guided meditation is something that you feel drawn to, please make use of that. Um, And I have the podcast, which is Meditation Conversation. That's been going since 2018. So um, I'm approaching, I'm getting, getting closer and closer, edging up to 300 episodes there. So there's plenty of content. Oh my goodness. That's amazing. Yeah. That is quite an accomplishment. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of content out there and a lot of like what we've talked about today, which is around consciousness, you know, a lot of, it's not all about meditation. It's really more of a, a discussion about consciousness from a lot of different angles. So energy healing, metaphysics, um, manifestation. There's just tons and tons shamanism. I talked about psychedelics. That was a new topic. So lots of different, um, 
ways that we can scratch that itch to know more about the quantum and uh, and consciousness. So, mm. yeah, t- check that out. Awesome. And you mentioned you also have a um, profile and insight timer. What's your handle over there? That is a great question. I okay. don't remember. We can include it in the show notes. Then. <laughs> yes, yeah. thank you. Yeah, it's, I think it's something like Kara Goodwin meditation, or maybe mm-hmm. if you just look at Kara Goodwin, um, you can find me on there. I real I realize as I'm asking you that question, I'm like, what's my handle on it? Yeah. <laughs> Might be empathic mastery, but I don't know for sure. So, yeah, I think yeah. if you, Kara Goodwin should get you there, but it might yeah. be Kara yeah. Goodwin meditation. Yeah, wonderful. Kara, thank you so much for joining me today. This thank is just you. so good. I've loved it. Thank you so much, Jennifer. Thank you. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.